I want to begin this morning uh, just by going right to our scripture passage and reading it to you, and, and that shouldn't be too long because it's only about three verses. In fact, it's exactly three verses. So turn to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, and we're just going to look at verses 1 through 3 today. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. If you ask people to make a list of the most beautiful words in the English language, I'll bet that a lot of people somewhere on that list would include the word rest, right? In fact, it would probably be up near the top of the list for a lot of people. And now, now that the children have been dismissed from our presence, my guess is that most of us who are here would probably say the same thing. Kids don't care a whole lot about rest, right? They don't really, you tell them they need their rest and they, they kind of laugh at you. But, but for, for, for the rest of us, Somewhere along the line, somewhere between, you know, adolescence and young adulthood, something happens to us. And the question that used to be, how long am I allowed to stay up, transforms into, when am I allowed to go to sleep, right? Because rest is, is precious to us. Rest is a beautiful thing. And we know that I'm not just talking about sleep either. Rest is more than sleep. And what is often a hectic and busy and distracted life, the idea of rest always seems to be calling to us, and it's, it's a precious thing. But here's the irony, here's the crazy thing. Even though God explicitly invites us into a place of rest, how often do we really go to that place? How often do we really find it? How often do we get there? Do we even know how to do it anymore? Speaking to myself, when, when you think about the Sabbath, when you think about the Sabbath day, when you, when you hear about a day of rest, what comes to mind for you? What do you think about when you first hear those words? It might depend a lot on your religious upbringing and what you learned about the Sabbath growing up or at some point. Uh, you, you may not think about the Sabbath at all. Yeah, you're familiar with it, but you don't think about it a whole lot because somebody taught you somewhere along the line that the Sabbath day is no longer applicable to the New Testament Christian, and so you just sort of put it in some kind of a shelf with a lot of other Old Testament things that you don't ever think about. Or you may be familiar with all the times in the Gospels that the Pharisees attacked Jesus and made a big deal out of confronting him, and that a lot of their attacks of him and a lot of the controversy that swirled around the Pharisees and Jesus had to do with this idea of him doing stuff on the Sabbath that they didn't think he was supposed to do. And then you may even think back to your own life, maybe earlier in your life when, when there were things that you kind of wanted to do on Sunday that for some reason you didn't get to do them or you, you didn't understand really why that was the case. And so the idea of a Sabbath ended up being something that you associate really with legalism, that it's just part of a set of rules that, that take away your freedom in Christ. You may be familiar with the Ten Commandments, and you may realize that number four is about the Sabbath, that commandment that, that God gave to the Israelites through Moses. And you may even remember that there's a place in the Bible, and it's in Numbers chapter 15, if you want to look it up, where a guy actually got the death penalty 
for gathering sticks on the Sabbath. I don't know how many sticks are in your backyard right now after the hurricane, but I'll leave that up to you. Um, But when you think about stuff like that, you avoid thinking about it. You really do. Well, on the other hand, you may feel drawn to the idea of a Sabbath. Uh, You may sense it's a really good thing. Even though you're not really sure what it means for you today, and you think, well, is it something that's binding? Is it a requirement? Or is it optional? Is it Saturday? Or is it Sunday? What exactly am I supposed to be doing or not doing on that day? A lot of very practical questions here. And I want to try today to answer some of those questions for you, not to establish some sort of legalistic framework and not to give you a formula to apply, but really to give you some guidelines for how to think this through biblically and how to apply it to your own life. And I want to do that by answering three questions, very simple questions. The first one is, where did the Sabbath come from? Second question is, how important is it? And the third question is, how are we supposed to apply it to our lives today? How do we celebrate it? How do we observe it today? So, so where did it come from? Why is it important if it is? And then how can we apply it, celebrate it today? As for where the Sabbath came from, you know, we just read in those verses today that, that it, it started back in Genesis, and in fact, that means that the Sabbath is a lot older than the Ten Commandments. It predated the Ten Commandments. And in fact, the fourth commandment itself references these verses from Genesis. The commandment to rest for one day is based on God's own activity here in Genesis chapter 2. God Himself took a rest on the seventh day of creation. We can't help but ask, why? Really? I mean, was God tired? Did God need a rest? Well, that seems rather unlikely to us, so if that's the case, then why did He do it? Well, you might remember that Jesus at one point in His ministry said this. He said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so, we go back from that and say, well, okay, that means God must have had us in mind. He must have had something in mind for us when He rested here on the seventh day. There's something that He meant for us that we can learn from it. At the very least, God is doing something here that is otherwise unnecessary for Him to do, and He's doing it to set an example for us as human beings. And if you think about that, that's a pretty powerful thought, that God would actually kind of interrupt His routine, if you will, or do something He didn't need to do in order to set us an example. But then you might think, but is that all there is to it? There might be more. There might be more. There's a kind of interesting phrase. It's actually in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17. In Exodus 31, it's around the time that God is describing the plans for the tabernacle and some other things through Moses. And and God is reiterating the importance of the Sabbath day. And it says there that on the seventh day of creation, God rested, and get this, and was refreshed. What in the world does that mean? Why, why would God need to be refreshed? That sounds like a tricky question. Well, we can answer it in one of two ways and maybe both. First of all, and we have to be careful here, but if it can be said that in some way God expended effort when He was creating the universe, that the process of creating the universe in effect took something out of God 
Not that he used the materials of himself to create creation. We know that's not true. We talked about that several weeks ago. But that, but that if we can say that God in doing creation somehow emptied his tank in some way, if we dare to even talk like that, then let's agree that God would naturally replenish himself from himself. That he'd replenish himself from his own infinite reserves. In other words, he can refresh himself all he wants, all by himself. God can refresh himself and not violate his all-sufficiency. I'm going to let you theology buffs kind of you know, puzzle over that one for a while if you want to. You come back to me later. But we can also go another direction. We can point out that the word translated refresh in Exodus 31, 17, for which the root idea is really to take a breath, does not necessarily have to communicate fatigue. It can also communicate satisfaction. When, I'm, when, I am, when I get done mowing the lawn, some of you can relate to this, when I get done mowing the lawn on a Saturday afternoon or whenever I do it, especially if I've taken all the time to do all the trimming and the edging and, and blowing the walk and everything, get it looking really nice, I will sometimes just go in and I will get a cold glass of lemonade and just rest on the porch or, or, or stare out at my beautiful lawn through the bay window. And I do this not because I'm tired, but because I'm done. And that's different. And I want to take a few minutes and I want to experience and appreciate the temporary beauty of my lawn. And the, the, I want to see the results of my work. I don't need to There's nothing that says I have to do that, but something in me wants to. I want to see that, and for some reason, I even find it to be refreshing. It's a good thing. God does not need to rest, but beyond just setting an example for us is there maybe something in the image of God Himself, something in His character, something in who He is, something He shared with us that desires life to have some kind of rhythm some kind of pulse, that every so often there should be some sort of reset. I think there is, and I think that's why there's seven days in a week. Because when I think about dividing up our time, it makes sense that we'd be able to figure out how to divide our time up into things like years and seasons. We can figure that out scientifically, right? But but why seven? Why a week? God gave us weeks. God gave us a seven-day week because of something He programmed into us. And He gave us the Sabbath day, the day to rest and recoup and reset. All that is part of the very fabric of our humanity. He wove it into everything that that He made somehow. And, And note the language in Genesis 2. It's a happy thing. It's a good thing. This is not a burdensome thing. For God, it's very happy. He blesses this day. He relishes this day. You can tell in the verses, He's been looking forward to this day. He's not tired, but He's done. And it's a job well done. It's very good. It's a positive thing. It's not some sort of overbearing rule to which God subjects Himself. No, it's a celebration. It's a celebration by God of His creation. And for us, It's a celebration of God and an enjoyment of all that He's done and all that He's made. It's something that His people should look forward to. So, that's where the Sabbath comes from. How important is it? Well, it's actually very important. Um, You may notice, if you check this 
if you checked it out, that the opening slide, I gave the opening slide the title, I think I called it Humanity Part 3B. Uh, remember the three relationships. We said that we we're going to talk about what humanity is, what a human being is, and, and what makes us tick, and all that sort of thing. And we said there were three relationships that reflect God's image in us, that we were created in the image of God, and that comes out in the way we relate in three directions. First, we talked about our relationship to creation, then we talked about our relationship with one another, and then last week, we talked about our relationship with God, which is really the foundational one. Uh, but you know what? This 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 week is, is really part two of that. The Sabbath actually fits into our relationship with God. That's why I called it humanity part 3B. Maybe I should have said 3A, but whatever. That's, that's where it goes. When God gave us the Ten Commandments, this was number four, which means the way we tend to think about the Ten Commandments, it was on the first tablet. Okay, we think about the second tablet, and Moses had two tablets. We think about the second one as being those later commandments that have all to do about the way we treat one another, don't steal, don't, don't lie, don't murder, etc. But the first tablet, the beginning commandments, are all about our relationship with God. And this commandment, keeping the Sabbath day, is, is actually part of that first one. So to God's Old Testament people, keeping the Sabbath day by setting it aside as a time to rest and enjoy their God that was a way of, of honoring God by reminding themselves that they were made by God, that their very life depended not on their own efforts, not on their own work, but on His goodness and grace. They were not the source of their success. They were not the ultimate provider. God was. We've already mentioned in this series that work is a good thing. Our work is a good thing. God ordained our work. Now, work may be a good thing, but it's not the ultimate thing. And if work is suspended for a day, even every seventh day, the world will not come to an end. It is more important to get with God than to get ahead of the game. It is more important to get with God than to get ahead and get a head start on your week. The man who was gathering sticks on the Sabbath in Numbers 15 was in effect saying, this is why it was so serious, he was saying to God, God, you're not enough. I've got to supplement your work with my own labor, with my own agenda, with my own ingenuity, and my own resourcefulness. God, he was saying, I don't trust you. And when we work seven days a week and we neglect to take time to pause, and to reflect on God's goodness to us, and to get off the merry ground long enough to realize that the world will not stop without us. When we fail to do that, what we're saying is, God, I don't need you all that much. I'm going to trust myself because I know that I, I can trust myself because I'm somebody I can count on. You can think of it really as a form of idolatry. The society that replaces the recognition of God with the commitment to 24-7 productivity quickly becomes a society of self-worshippers, and eventually we pay the price for that. Now, you and I may not be judged, you know, formally like that stick-gathering Israelite was in Numbers 15, but eventually, eventually our minds, our bodies, and our spirits will start to break down. And you know what? A lot of the stress, a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the strained relationships, even a lot of our besetting health problems are letting us know 
that by neglecting a Sabbath rest, we are actually violating part of our humanity, which is the blessed invitation to rest and to worship God. We were not made to work seven days a week. We were not created to be slaves to a machine. That's not who human beings are. Now, speaking of slavery, let me tell you another reason why the Sabbath is so blessed, and and this is also very important to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 5. You can turn there, Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses actually receives from God a reiteration of the Ten Commandments. And so, you not only find them in Exodus 20, but you find them a second time in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Only this time when it gets to the Fourth Commandment, there's a bit of an editorial addition. Deuteronomy 5.12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You see something different there? Yeah. First of all, as I was kind of reading through that again this morning in preparation, I noticed something I hadn't really thought a whole lot about before, but there are some words here, I think, for bosses. For those of you who have employees working for you, this is maybe not just about you observing the Sabbath and, and taking a rest in some way, but for you also giving your employees and those who are in your charge an opportunity to do the same thing. But going on from that, not working on the Sabbath, God says, should remind you of something. It should remind you that you are not slaves. However, it should also remind you that at one time you were. You used to be slaves. But God says, I rescued you from all that. The Sabbath is not just a time, not just a time to worship and enjoy God as our creator, but it's a time to recognize and to worship God as our redeemer, the one who has set us free, the one who delivered us from the bonds of slavery. Now, their slavery was to Egypt. Our slavery was to sin and self. But not anymore. Because for those of us who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. There is no compulsion to sin. There is no barrier remaining in the way of our relationship with God. It's wide open. We've been set free by God to love and to serve Him and to enjoy His presence forever. And the Sabbath can actually help us to recall those amazing blessings. We should take time to think about them, but the Sabbath itself is a reminder that we're no longer slaves. They look back at the Passover. We look back at the cross. They look back at the Red Sea. We look back at the resurrection. And we have a better deal. We've been redeemed by God. We've been redeemed. And so, okay, so to to maybe review what we've learned so far, where did the Sabbath come from? God gave it to us at creation. He, He celebrated it Himself as an example for us. And more than that, He wove it into the very fabric of our being, quite possibly as part of His own image. Why is it important? 
Well, among other things, it reminds us that it is God who created us and sustains us and not we ourselves, that He is the only rightful object of our worship and our ultimate trust, and that He has redeemed us for Himself, and He's rescued us from our slavery to sin. That's all in the Sabbath. So last question. Very practical, right? How do we put this into practice? How does, a, how does an American Christian in the 21st century observe the Sabbath day, which was invented thousands of years ago, to, to what extent, this is important too, to what extent is this a binding command on us, and to what extent is it more of a good idea or just guidelines? And what does it look like if we're doing it right? Let me try to answer that last question first. What does it look like if we're doing it right and give you some ideas? About a month ago, uh, Dawn and I went on a vacation to North Myrtle Beach, and we took both of our children, along with our daughter-in-law and our only grandchild, and so it was kind of a crowded house. It was an awesome time. We had a great time running around and doing things together and watching our grandson as he, as he experienced these new things for the first time, and we were lugging toys and, and beach equipment everywhere all over the place and generally having a really fun and, and active time. It was great. But then... For the last three days, all the young people went home, and Dawn and I had the place all to ourselves. And don't tell the kids, but it was wonderful. We could get up whenever, we could go to bed whenever, we had, you know, we could linger on the beach for as long as Florida girl wanted to. We, We had no schedule, we had no commitments, we had no anxiety except for the one moment when a fisherman pulled a four-and-a-half-foot shark out of the water about 20 yards from where we were swimming. Other than that, we had no anxiety. Um, there was not a lot of stuff to carry around. Dawn didn't have to cook anything. Dawn didn't have to cook anything. I've heard that several times. It was, um, it was an incredibly uncluttered time during which we could just relax and enjoy each other's presence, just be together now transfer that idea to your relationship with God. And I think that's at least part of what he's getting at when he calls us to observe a Sabbath day. An unhurried, unpressured, and at least partly unstructured time with him. You see, when I spend time with God in the mornings, you know, praying, reading my Bible, having my devotional time, it's always a blessing, but I will tell you, I don't always connect all that closely with God. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. You probably have the same experience. There are good days and bad days. Some, some blessings are greater than others, you know. But that's largely because, you know, I've got the rest of the day hanging over my head. And I've got meetings to attend, and I've got people to see, and I've got sermons and lessons to prepare, and I've got visits and calls to make, and there's a schedule involved. There's real-time commitment that can't be broken. And so as much as I might cherish that time alone with God or want to cherish it more, I have to admit that I'm still kind of fitting it in, you know? And this is okay. Don't get discouraged by this. God knows that our lives are like this, and, and just the fact that you think you're fitting it in shouldn't not keep you from scheduling a daily time to meet with God. You need to do that. Don't neglect that just because at times you might feel rushed or overwhelmed. But listen, the rushed and overwhelmed part, that's why he gave you a Sabbath. 
A day with no work commitments means a day in which you don't have to fit God in. You can just hang out with Him. Spend time in His Word. Spend time reading books about Him. Spend time praying. Spend time walking around, meditating. My Sabbath is typically on a Monday, you know, and my activities vary. I do a lot of reading and relaxing, and I'll admit, I sometimes will mow the lawn that day. But you know what? To me, that's not work because it has nothing in common with the work that I do during the week, right? It's, it's more like a mindless physical activity during which I can just let my spirit relax, and I sometimes find myself talking to God or even singing a hymn or a worship song or whatever while I'm mowing the lawn. And it's great because if I miss the high notes, nobody knows because there's a lot of noise in the background. Now, I need to clarify something. I need to clarify something because so far I'm giving you a very one-dimensional idea of what the Sabbath day is. Getting alone with God is important, but God never said that we are to observe the whole day alone. God's people were encouraged to spend this time together, and yes, even in the Old Testament, that was the day for regular worship and regular study of the Word of God together in community, just like Sunday is for us today in the local church. So for most of you, for most of you, part of your Sabbath is happening right now. It's happening as we speak. And this brings up some issues, some real issues, because first of all, some of you work on Sunday. I realize that. Some of you have to work on Sunday. Your job kind of makes you work on Sunday, or at least some Sundays, it's part of your job. And if that's the case, then you're going to need to find another extended time during the week, preferably a whole day if you can pull it off, to make it your Sabbath, because you need that. Secondly, I know that some of you work pretty hard right here on Sundays. I understand this. Watching kids, teaching classes, leading worship, setting up chairs, serving coffee, etc., etc. So you're thinking, if this is supposed to be a Sabbath, it's not exactly free of work. Now, I'm not sure that I can completely untangle this issue for you right now, but I think I'm safe in saying this to those of you who, are, who find yourself doing these things on Sunday morning, but you're not actually a paid staff member of this church. If your Sunday activities are primarily becoming a job or a burden to you, if you get done on Sunday morning and you do not feel refreshed, but instead you feel spent and you crawl out of bed on Monday morning wishing you had real rest instead of what you really had yesterday on Sunday, then talk with one of us on staff. I'm serious, because something needs to change. You're not a slave to the machine. Something needs to change. Now, it might be your attitude, how you approach your ministry, but on the other hand, you might need a break or to rotate in and out of your duties as the priests and the Levites did in the temple in Old Testament times. They did that. But please, please do not let this day and this morning become something that you dread. It's too precious for that. What happens when we get together on Sunday morning should be life-giving, not life-sapping. Now, one other question you might have is this. How binding is this? How careful do I have to be about it? Is, it, is, is this official or is this like, you know, kind of quasi-official? Is this a, a requirement from God? Is this a commandment or is it, you know, more like the code? You know, just, it's just guidelines. Is it, can it just fit into my life as I'm able or, or should I be strict about obeying it? Well, we have to be careful here. 
Yes, there are some that will argue that the Sabbath is no longer directly applicable to New Testament believers, but that's a hard position to really justify all the way, not the least of which because the fourth commandment was never repealed. Now, we're going to find out that the Sabbath has been in some ways transformed. We'll see that in a few minutes. But that does not mean that it has been abolished. And this may sound weird at first. It sounds almost paradoxical. But one of the cool things about God's commandments is how much they set us free. One of the cool things about God's commandments is how much freedom we get from observing them. John says in 1 John that if we love Jesus, we'll keep his commandments. And then he says, and his commandments are not burdensome. James talks about the perfect law that gives liberty. How is this possible? How is it possible that commandments, that rules, if you will, will set us free? Well, I can think about it this way. When I'm, when I'm meeting with a couple, married couple, and, and, and finances comes up, as it often does, because finances is a, is a difficult thing in life for a lot of people, and I always will tell that couple what I've learned over the years, and that it is, it is a very good idea to have a household budget, to have it in written form, and to abide by it. And some people are like, wow, really? That sounds so regimented. That sounds so restrictive. And it does sound restrictive, but then I remind them of what a budget really is. Here's what a budget is. It's permission to spend money. It is. It's permission to spend money. They no longer have to have anxiety about spending money when they buy presents or when the car needs repairs. Why not? Because it's in the budget. It's already been set apart for that purpose. It works the same way with your giving to God. Dawn and I a long time ago said the first thing we're going to set up in our budget is our giving to God, our tithe and our gifts to charity and things like that. And you know what? It's, it's, if you do that and you abide by it and you make it really a rule, then those, the temptations to let something else sneak in or to say, well, this month has been kind of tough. Maybe we just need to, to shorten that or, or make that a little bit less or whatever. No, we're abiding by this. That money's been set apart. Guess what? That's the same thing that God did with the Sabbath day. That phrase, set apart, is really important. You can do it with time instead of money. It's what God did to the Sabbath. He set it apart. He set it apart for a purpose, and that purpose has to do with us. When you take time and you set it apart for rest and worship, and you make it a rule rather than just a good idea, that frees you to do just that, rest and worship. And when work tries to butt in and take over, even just a little bit of work, you know, a little bit of Monday tries to creep into Sunday, you can say, no, God has commanded me to keep this time, and and by doing so, He has given me permission to say no to work. And I believe that not only will I enjoy this time with God, but that He will honor that obedience, and my work life will not come crashing down around me because of it. God is God, and I am not. And he is enough to meet my needs. Now, are there exceptions to this rule? Yes. Absolutely. Jesus was really clear about that. Works of mercy. He healed a lot of people on the Sabbath. Pulling your ox out of a ditch, it says, right? Serving people who are sick. Serving people who are in need. Works of necessity. If there's an emergency that needs your attention, certainly 
There are lots of Mondays that I find myself doing some critical counseling or making an emergency visit or, or performing a funeral. Those things need to be done. They will always happen. But let me tell you this. Let me caution you here. When the exceptions cease to be exceptions, and when there's so many of them that they become the new rule, you've lost your freedom. Don't be afraid to set up some tall barriers around the day of rest and worship that you set aside for God and for yourself. Okay, one last question, and then we'll close with this one. Whatever happened to Saturday? Right? I mean, wasn't that the original Sabbath? It was the last day of the week, and we know that that was Saturday. So when in the world did Sunday take over for Saturday? Was that even supposed to happen? Well, let's see. The Bible tells us, and this is part the Bible and, and part kind of Christian, Christian history and tradition too, but let me tell you what happened. The Bible tells us that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which is today, Sunday. And soon after that, the early church began meeting. And as the early church structured their meetings, they actually took a lot from the Jewish synagogue. They, they, they were familiar with the Jewish synagogue services, so when they set up their, their teaching time and their, their singing time, their worship time and all that sort of thing, the prayer time, they used the model they had learned from the Jewish synagogue meetings. Now, there were a couple exceptions because the Jews didn't celebrate the Lord's Supper, and so the Christians brought that in. But the one other big difference they made was instead of using the Jewish Sabbath, they met on Resurrection Day, and they started calling it the Lord's Day, which was not the last day of the week, but it was the first day of the week. Now, were they right to do that? I don't think this was a mistake. And I also don't think it was a coincidence. Let me tell you why. Jesus once made this invitation. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you the beautiful word, right? I will give you rest. He later fulfilled that promise by dying for us on the cross earning our salvation for us so that He could offer it to us as a free gift, not as something we would have to work and slave for. The book of Hebrews in multiple places describes our salvation as, quote, entering God's rest. So Jesus not only promised us His rest, He became our rest. All who are trusting in Jesus, Hebrews says, have rested from our work just as God rested from His work in Genesis. So we don't work for our salvation. God did that for us. Jesus did that for us. However, Philippians reminds us that we don't work for our salvation, but we work out our salvation. When we celebrate the Sabbath on the first day of the week instead of the last day, we're reminded of something, and that is this. We don't work to earn a rest. We receive our rest first as a gift. All the things we do from that point forward, all of our Christian service, all of our diligent, hardworking for God does not earn our salvation. It comes from our salvation. It doesn't earn us a relationship with God. It's an expression of our relationship with God that we already have because of Jesus. We love God, and so we serve Him, and we obey Him, and we work hard for Him. Because Jesus already accomplished the work of salvation for us. Our week starts the same way that our Christian life starts, from a position of rest and refreshment. 
most of us probably tend to think of Monday, at least functionally, as the first day of the week, right? Ah, oh, it's Monday. Just another manic Monday. And, and, and often we start our week, see if this is you, you start your week exhausted and spent, maybe dragging yourself to your first few commitments, or else anxious and hurried, waiting for something bad to happen and wondering what you forgot and what's going to happen and when the other shoe's going to drop and when you're going to get in trouble for this and, and, and how am I going to respond to it. If that describes you on Monday, then, you know, if you're full of that kind of anxiety and that kind of fatigue, then that's a good indication that you need to give some more thought to this idea of a Sabbath rest. What we do here on Sunday and, and the leisurely time that you spend with God and His people on Sunday, resting and worshiping in obedience to God's gracious commandment, is not the culmination of your week. It's the beginning of your week. It should remind you that you're saved already. And it should give you the energy to begin the rest of your week secure in the knowledge that all you do is done out of love for God and as an outflow of your faith and out of the rest that He has already and freely given you.